Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Power Your Life. And it's always a pleasure to be here and connect with you. Many of us are going through challenging times, and there are also many families, individuals who are taking care of others, who are caregiving people who may be sick, who have challenges, and caregiving is a skill and a, and a loving art, I think, in and of itself. And it's so important to be able to have support during those times. I care, was a caregiver for my mother, and I remember that well. And it's so important to know that you're not alone during those times. There's there somebody else there who can help you. And we have just the person today who can really tell you, talk with us, all of us, about what, what it's like to really be a caregiver and, and and sort of commit yourself to another person and to their, their welfare and their well-being. And I'm talking about Lisa M. Roseman, who's a theologian, a lay counselor, and an author, with the mission of assisting people towards transformation as well as inner healing, spiritually, emotionally, as well as relationally. She's also the founder of an inner healing ministry in Southern California. Lisa Roseman has helped hundreds of people experience deep inner healing in various settings, including private mentorship, group group counseling, addiction recovery, as well as her church congregation. She's developed an organization called the Highest of Care Network and a television show that's soon to be aired called The Caregiver's Connection. Lisa's passionate about coming alongside others who provide care or in caregiving journey with a loved one, and her intention is to offer support, ministry, and community connection to give people hope, encouragement, and strength in their time of need. Welcome, Lisa M. Rosen. How are you? Good morning, Dr. White. I'm so wonderful to, uh, I'm excited to be with you. So thanks for having me. It's, it's certainly my pleasure. And it's important to, I know so many people, I have have friends as well as my journey too, who've been during that caregiving time, there's, there's, there's sometimes a sense of exhaustion, losing hope, feeling kind of alone in that process, and you went through that yourself. So share a little bit with our listeners, Lisa, your what you did and what that journey a little bit was about. 
Sure. So uh, my mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, and it came from out of the blue. She didn't have any health issues in her life, uh, never been in the hospital, didn't have, you know, medications that she was taking. So uh, for this to come so suddenly and at such an advanced stage, um, it really, I think, threw me off guard in my life and, of course, for my mom as well. She was 70 years old and still working full time. And uh, the diagnosis came, so I became an instant full-time caregiver for her in her journey, which lasted about 22 months. Uh, I had her move in with me, and and we lived together. And uh, the book I've written is about that journey. It's kind of a chronological unpacking of what it was like to get a diagnosis out of nowhere and then uh, the upheaval of moving a parent and then the dynamics of living together under the same roof uh, were very challenging for me. And so I went through a season that I call it my first rodeo. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, a growing, challenging time for me. So as a caregiver, because you went through it firsthand, and and the book is wonderful the way it's written, and and also the emotion and 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 the support that you you give throughout the book, and also through to other people. What what are some of the emotional, some of the challenges that that people like yourself who are caregivers go through? Gosh, there's a there's a plethora of uh, emotions. I know. First, it's you, you know you don't really know what's coming, and so I think first for me I experienced denial. I really believe that they had my mom's records mixed up with someone else's at first, and I thought you know there's no way there's got to be she's walking she's uh, she doesn't I don't see any you know tumors how is this happening and so the denial was the first component, I think, for my mom as well, Um, and her denial didn't change over the 22 months. So even when she uh, was taken home to God, her denial was still very evident. For me, I had stepped into a place of acceptance. Uh, My mom and I, our relationship was quite broken, I would say, and uh, although we had great times when we lived apart, if we were in close proximity, that changed our relationship. So I went through rejection, uh, feeling alone, a faith crisis a bit with God. Uh, I was angry with him, uh, angry at at the situation. Um, Depression came, hopelessness a little bit, um, and just the strain. I I really felt that it was such a, at times, such a burden uh, for, you know, the situation. You know, and and it's it's not easy. It, it's difficult, and many caregivers experience some of the same kinds of feelings and emotions. It's it's fatiguing. It's it's draining. <laughs> I remember my body used to hurt. <laughs> it was just such a strain. And I also this is this is funny. So I wanted to say it real fast. I remember at some points going to a movie theater at some time when I was able to get off, sitting in the back, watching the movie, I have no idea what the movie was, eating popcorn and crying my eyes out. <laughs> yes, I can relate. I can relate. Uh, the first Christmas, 
in, I was driving around and I'm like, it's Christmas time. I, I didn't even realize that it's the holidays because I was so overwhelmed with the caregiving journey and uh, I hadn't yet learned to reach out and find rest and community. I was doing it all on my own. So I had a, a learning curve in learning how to navigate through some of that emotional stuff. You know, and I think that's so important because people like yourself, I mean, it suddenly happens. There isn't any preparation for it oftentimes. And yet there you are and and all these emotions that we've been talking about and probably so many more are going, you know, up and down and you have to deal with it on a on a daily consistent basis which is which can be exhausting. Now you said you had a little bit of a faith crisis during that time, but also your book does a lot with your spiritual kinds of encounters. So how did you shift that and what and tell our listeners what that means, your spiritual encounters. I love it. Sure. The most important part, and it's really why I wrote the book, uh, I wanted people to encounter their creator in such a way that in time of need or help, you've got something to lean on that's not necessarily that human component, which uh, can be challenging. So I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've been a pastor for 10 years studied theology, I know the Bible, like I had it down, right? I'm like, Lisa's got it all figured out. And then uh, <laughs> my mom my mom got sick and I thought, gosh, I don't know a thing. I, I don't even know what I believe in this moment. I was so angry with God. Uh, my mom, she had a lot of trauma in her life. And so for her to get breast cancer was probably the worst thing that she could have gotten. Uh, and so I was angry with God, and I, I write in my book that faith crisis of why? Why would this happen? Why do you allow this thing to happen? You know, and so uh, I think God is okay with us wrestling with him in those hard areas as long as we don't fall too deep into self-pity where we're no good for anyone. You know, my mom needed help, and uh, I had to deal with my things separately sometimes because my focus was caring for her and that was my priority so uh, my faith stayed intact and is even better today from the encounters but I had I had moments where um, you know feathers covered a lawn where I was at her apartment complex literal feathers and I thought what is what am I seeing and God used that as a moment to reach through space and time to touch me in a way where it gave me strength. It gave me strength and it gave me what I needed to carry on in caregiving. You know, they always say feathers are from heaven and I have so many feathers in my house too. <laughs> spiritual kinds of experiences. I think, I think they're, they're very beautiful and they're very potent. And I think, also, when we go through, whether it's, it's the challenges of caregiving or, or other kinds of challenges, and, and people are going through many challenges today, oftentimes there is 
something or more than just something to to ex- to gain from that experience to learn to grow from that experience which you did it 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 actually reinforced your faith and and allowed you to see a a larger purpose to help others on their caregiving journey. So tell us how that came about, too, because I think that's a beautiful aspect to all that you give and all that you offer other people. Absolutely. And, um, you know, my faith changed, Dr. White, because I saw eternity from a different perspective. So in my lifetime, reading the scriptures, reading the Bible, you know, you've got information coming in, but then there's some things that you're like, how? How's that going to work? How, how's that possible? What, what is this talking about? And so with my mom and her journey, uh, there's some things that happened towards the end of her life that I'm sure we'll touch on that uh, it changed my view and my perspective and my faith of what's real. And so in that journey of caregiving, if it's a terminal illness, more than likely you're facing a situation of death. And that's such a hard word for people to talk about it's almost like a push it to the side we're not going to deal with that and what I found in my journey is that for those who suffer and when the time comes to cross over it's a relief for everyone although difficult and and hard to go through uh, the release to be able to step into a place of freedom from disease uh, and pain is it's a gift, and so for me it 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 changed my faith, and then it activated something in me that now says, "Where are the caregivers that I can provide hope and encouragement to? Where are they? I need to find them so that I find people that are where I was, so I can help pull them through with what I know and what I witnessed that is to be the truth in my in my world. You know, that's that's so very important because at like you and and also myself, our caregiving journey it can be very solitary in a lot of ways. The, the, your most important aspect is you like you said is your is to care for your mom. Sometimes caring for yourself, which is essential too, is is secondary because it's it, it's there's so much else that that you need to do and that's important too, but caregivers often suffer silently or or are, have mixed emotions. Sometimes there isn't family, other family members around. Sometimes there are other kinds of situations that that limit the amount of connection or support that they have, whether it's financial or, you know, relationship-wise or otherwise. And it's so needed that there's someone like you who can offer support coming from a place of experience because you've lived it and and experienced it firsthand, and, and that's beautiful what you're able to do for others. So... I, I just think that that's so wonderful. And what what has been some of the feedback from some of the people, some of the caregivers that you've helped? Oh uh, gosh, lots of reviews on Amazon. Uh, that's where the book is. You know, can be found. And uh, people are just saying it's timely. You know, we're we're facing 
unprecedented times, even in our globe right now with so much loss of life. And so I've been, you know, told the book is so timely. It resonates with people because I wrote it from a place of, I just wanted to be me and share the truth. It's, it's got some places where I'm vulnerable and downright honest about, you know, the difficulty of it all. Um, some people have shared the self-care uh, chapters are re- were really helpful because if you were like me, my first year was all about my mom and no self-care. And it wasn't until I kind of hit the wall of exhaustion, uh, severe fatigue, depression, where I realized, because I'm a single uh, child so I was taking care of my mom on my own and I had to reach out I'm like I I have to get community and I have to find people that can bring in help so I found volunteers and and different people extended nurse times through hospice uh, those types of things because without self-care you're running on an empty fuel tank and there will be no way that you can take care of another human if you're not first taking care of yourself so I had to learn. I didn't know that the first year, but I, I learned it the second. <laughs> you know, I think that's something that we have to learn and oftentimes relearn because sometimes you, things happen e- even in the caregiving journey and suddenly your 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 attention to the person that you're, you're caregiving is magnified or something may happen or whatever. So it's it's, like you said, it's so important to recognize that you have to take care of yourself, that no matter what you're going through and what kind of support you're giving to a loved one, you also cannot forget to take care of you. And that that emphasis is so very, very essential, and that's, that's it, important. Yeah, it really is. I was feeling guilty because I thought, how can I care for me when my mom is suffering and you know, she can't go outside, she can't enjoy sun or go to the beach or so I would I had this guilt of like I, I I feel bad for doing things that she can't, but I had to put it into perspective and once I did that I actually was a better caregiver for my mom when I was taking care of me. And I think that's important. I think that, that as we take care of ourselves we we have more to give <laughs> to to the other person or persons that we're caregiving. So tell me a little bit and tell our listeners about what the Highest of Care Network is about. So that is something that I formed uh, as a resource for people. It's in the works right now. I have a television show that will be released. Soon, uh, probably I would say the end of February, a little bit of, of delay with our studio being built. But the Highest of Care Network is going to be a place where caregivers can receive care. So whether it's emotional support or relational support, spiritual support, my inner healing ministry that I've been doing for almost 11 years, uh, it's designed to help people connect with their creator, God, to be able to navigate through life, whether it's great or whether it's a challenge. And so I kind of highlight the sozo techniques that I used in my own journey because I, I needed them first and foremost, being a caregiver. And uh, the Highest of Care Network will just be a way to build community, 
Uh, where are you at in your journey? What's the diagnosis? Do you know the next steps? We'll be bringing in people like hospice nurses, other people who've been through their journey. We'll be interviewing uh, other guests. And really, my heart is to extend hope and encouragement and support to those who are walking through it currently. So that's what the Highest of Care Network is about, bringing us all together. And um, I really feel like we need to hold hands again. (laughs) That's kind of my motto for 2022. (laughs) I think that's important. (laughs) And I love it. And I think, again, I think it's so needed. People, when you're well, not only being being caregivers, but also through this time, we need help. We need to be able to to feel a sense of connection. There's been so much isolation. And to know that there is somebody that you can reach out to who's, who's gone through and experienced some of that, and, and, and I think that's essential. Now, this is something I'm very curious about because something changed during the caregiving journey, something changed with your mom. Something profound changed with your mom, and and I'd love you to share that, and also I'd love to hear her poem, and I think our listeners would be delighted too. Oh, okay, yes, yes. So are you talking about towards the end of her life? Yes. What happened? Okay, okay. So after 22 months of caring for my mom, uh, when the time comes that – your loved one um, is transitioning. They're probably going to offer some sort of pain management, which is, for me, morphine was what they gave her. And uh, it kind of put her in a very relaxed state. They call it comfort care. So that's called palliative care, comfort care for your loved one. And so uh, she had been on morphine for about a day and was in like a semi-conscious state. And I was in the living room uh, watching her on a baby monitor because that's where I used to watch her. She didn't want me in the room with her. And so uh, as I watched the baby monitor, the wall behind my mom's head where she was resting uh, changed. It, it moved and it, it, there was a circular motion. And uh, all of a sudden, a lion's face appeared behind her head. A big lion, like a lion, like Narnia lion. <laughs> And so I uh, was shocked. I went into the room, and I watched this lion for seven days uh, on the wall behind her, and I thought, what is going on? This is a supernatural <laughs> thing that's happening. <laughs> this is not Was normal. she that's aware of it or no? Uh, I think she might have been because she kept moving her body. You know how a person will do the over-the-shoulder look for a photograph? Right. But looking behind them, she kept moving her body in a morphine sleep, trying to look behind her. So something, she knew something. I I just knew that she knew something was happening, but not awake, not conscious. And so I um, waited about seven days, and I went in, and I heard, you know, I, I do, I hear God speaking, but through my own, that's another show. But anyway, I felt, I felt, um, drawn to go into the room and anoint her body with oil and this was seven days after that lion appeared behind her head and so I did I put oil on her little forehead on her hands on her feet and I went and sat back down in the living room and I thought okay that's that's done and I heard her voice 
and mm. I, it caused me to go into the room. I'm like, I, I hear my mom. And so as I walked into the room where she was, her body lifted out of the hospital bed in a like a standing position. She went from very um, 80 pounds, very small, cancer was everywhere, to her standing upright in the room but floating off of the ground about 18 inches. She moved to the opposite side of the room, and wow. I could see what she was seeing. I could, I could see her looking at her body in the bed, and she said, that's not my destination, that's not where I live. And she turned around, and as I looked at her, Dr. White, I saw my mom looking like she was in her 30s. Strong, beautiful, upright, no cancer, no pain, long, beautiful hair. Most of her hair was gone at the end. And my mother, my mother was in what I call a glorified body. She was free, and she was headed towards a place that I can only imagine, really, and so she went through the wall, her body. It was a transparent, and I have a video on my website we'll share that talks about what happened. She went through the wall, and a few minutes later, as I was sitting in my living room taking all of that in, uh, I had a vision of this lion walking her through a wall of fog to go to heaven. Well. So that was my encounter to show that heaven is real. And a few days before that happened, I found a poem that she had written back in 2013 called The Lion of Judah. And that poem explains kind of what was going on with her in that time of caregiving. And so in my book I share where I provided care for her, God came and provided the highest of care for her. Beautiful. Do you want to share the poem? I do. So this is called The Lion of Judah, written by my mom. His heart, that of a lion, a fearless warrior he, uncommon valor, dauntless, he sets the captives free. His voice, roar, wind does carry, to four corners of globe, its sound piercing the heavens, echoed in human lobe. His eyes piercing and fiery, infinite knowledge there. They hold the willing vessel, tightly yet with great care. His strength and power amazing, divine, complex, and pure. His word precise, commanding, sends death, his works ensure. His metal, supreme virtue, bold, resolute, and brave. His reach beyond the heavens, he's conquered death, the grave. His courage, firmness of will, protector, staunch, mighty, soul's bastion everlasting, he makes the demons flee. His fierceness through divine right, vanguard of justice he, the heavens bow to honor, his law eternally, his power as creator, ruler of everything, his judgment acute, precise, omniscient Lord and King. He is the Lion of Judah, Christ Jesus, Lord of all, his kingdom, 
not of this world. He stands in reverential awe. Wow. Amen. She was a beautiful <laughs> poet. <laughs> yeah, amazing. she wrote about 400 poems that I'll be publishing in different volumes uh, for her. So I promised Good. her in my last text that I would carry on her legacy. And so we've got a lot of poetry that I want to uh, have people engage with. Yeah, I think that it's very beautiful and, and people would love it too. It's so important. You know, you mentioned when when she left her body and uh, many people, I don't know about many, but people experience that oftentimes at the time when their loved one is, is moving on. And you mentioned how you saw her. She looked so different. And oftentimes in what I do with my own work, we contact people on the other side and they come through healthy without any any challenges looking younger feeling wonderful healed in so many different ways so so it it's it's just a wonderful way to be able to kind of see and 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 have your mother there with you for that time and and watching her move on i remember my mother was was going through a very difficult time at the end and she was she couldn't speak but mm-hmm. she would have far away look almost like when she was ready like she was getting ready she looked like she was listening to, to so i would say to her mom are you talking to the angels and she would just smile and so yeah mm-hmm. it's amazing <laughs> There is definitely the other side, you know, and and we're very, we're spiritual by nature. And so I would just encourage people to step into that reality of, you know, what is it that, that God wants me to know or see or sense or feel in my world in relation to my loved one who I'm caring for? And, you know, it's one of my favorite questions is, you know, God, where are you right now? And what do you want me to know? I just, I ask it often. And um, God's very relational. He doesn't have his back turned, and he will respond. And I carry that faith for everyone that I talk to. He will do it. He will. Good. That's important. So many people, especially when their loved one passes, and sometimes it's a little bit of relief as well as going through grief because that person isn't here in the physical realm like they like they were what what do you want to tell our listeners about grief and and how to heal from that great question i've learned that grief is different for every single person and everybody has a different process a different way of dealing with it uh, it's going to come in waves My mom died three days before Christmas, and that was her favorite holiday. And so, you know, I expect, you know, when the holidays come around that I'm like, oh, there's some bittersweet. I can say with time things do shift, and um, the grief doesn't hit maybe as hard. It just depends. Everyone's different. Uh, I can just speak for myself in in that way. But um, having a parent die in your home is... Uh, something I could have never planned for or thought about what it would be like. And so after she went, it was 
different for me to be in the home because I could still, there was essences of her energy and her, you know, I could hear her voice. I could see where she used to sit. And so um, it's, it's different when a parent dies in your home because there's the memories that are there. But, you know, one of my hospice nurses that took care of my mom said something that impacted me. It's not in the book, but she said, you know, Lisa, not everybody has the gift of a deathbed. If somebody dies suddenly or catastrophically or, you know, they don't have a chance to be in a deathbed, it's just gone. Like from one moment to the next, your loved one is no longer here. And that's a different kind of grief. But with a deathbed situation, it's a blessing because you are actually able to be with your loved one as they transition. So I would say to the grief and to anyone who's in the situation now that I was in with caregiving, um, remember to say what you need to say to your loved one in kindness and in love because there'll be a time where you can't say what you need to say. And for me, I probably said things in frustration that uh, I could have worded a bit differently. I don't have regret, but looking back, uh, I would just encourage you, find moments to be with your loved one so that when the grief comes later, when they're no longer with you, you have those moments to look back and say, you know, I did the best I could. I poured out my life for someone else, and no one's perfect, but we just do the best we can in our journey and in the grief, make sure that we're not alone and we have other people to help us through. You know, that's so very, very important. Firstly, um, every, like you said, everybody grieves in their own way. And it's important not to judge somebody that's grieving. I remember working with a client and her mother died and her father died and and she was grieving for a, a long time and people would say okay it's time it's time to stop grieving and she would say to me joanne i, I i'm not ready and, mm-hmm. and i i can't be rushed this is something you know they they died one after another she said i need to go through my process and so it's really important to respect what somebody's going through in terms of the grief and to offer support, like you said, and also to get to get support if you need to at that time because grief is a process. And, and I think what you said, Lisa, is also very important. We have moments. We never know when those moments with other people are going to end. And so moments on earth with another person or people that you love make sure that that as lisa said you know make sure that you you let people know the how beautiful those moments are how much you care because those are the opportunities that you do have like you said lisa and sometimes if you don't it may be too late and that that's so very very important so tell our listeners they can get a hold of your book, find out more about your mission and what you do, and also if you know more about the TV show, anything about the caregiver's connection, that would be great. Oh, thank you. So uh, I have a video, pardon me, it's 12 minutes long, and it's on my website, but if you go to thehighestofcare.com, 
And if you go to the top of the page there and watch that 12-minute video, it explains exactly what happened at the passing of my mom. And it gives more detail. So I think you'll be super blessed. Your listeners will be blessed by the video. And then you can order the book. It's also available on the website. I'm doing some blogs on there, I'm just kind of doing more chapter insights. Now, you know, two years after, it took me the same amount of time to write the book as I cared for my mom. So it took me 22 months to write the book. Um, and it was hard because I had to go back through some stuff that wasn't that enjoyable. But it was also healing. So uh, you'll find excerpts and, and different things, insights, looking back as, wow, this is what was really going on in this situation or, you know, in this scenario. So uh, the highest of care com is the website and then the show that I'm doing the caregivers connection it's going to air on a platform called simul TV and that's a streaming platform like uh, other ones that you might have and so I'm hoping that we're going to be wrapped up and ready to launch those episodes probably by the third week or last week of February I can send you an email uh, when the show launches. That way you can share it with your listeners if you'd like. Yeah, that would be – and I'd love to see the show and be on it too. Thank (laughs) you. I would love that. yes, I'll be interviewing and just anyone that I can connect with that will help other people. um, That's just really my heart. And the inner healing ministry that I do, uh, that website is Sozo, S-O-Z-O, Freedom. Dot com, And that website, you can find information on the inner healing ministry that I do, a little bit of history on myself, and some testimonials of clients who have come in and uh, had some amazing breakthrough. And that show uh, for Simul TV is a caregiver's connection. So I'll certainly be uh, sharing that with you, and then you can pass it on to your listeners uh, I really do feel like the motto we need to hold hands again is really important. That just came like a couple of days ago. I was like, wow, that's so good. <laughs> we need to hold hands again. Like that must be from God because God's always connecting, bringing love, kindness, support. So uh, when I heard that, I'm like, we need to hold hands again. We need to be connected and and be involved in each other's experiences again and get down to the human level of connection and, and uh, relationship. So that's what I hope to do. And that's what I hope to bring to the world through my journey, um, focusing on miracles. A lot of miracles happen in my book and still continue. And I believe for your listeners too, miracles happen and they will happen in your life. I just believe that. Well, I believe that too, and I've experienced miracles, lots of them, and it's wonderful to have those experiences and to also know that that even though people may not be in the human form when they pass on, that th- that there is more. There is more for them. There is more, and, and that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. Lisa mm-hmm. M. Roseman, what would you like to leave our listeners with before we close? Well, I would like to leave your listeners with that hope. Uh, This is not the end. So life does go on, and there is something beyond this current situation. If you have a loved one who is suffering tremendously, my heart goes out to you. 
My prayers are with you. And I just encourage that person or one who's grieving or has a broken heart, just take a moment and take a deep breath and ask God where he is and what he wants you to know or see or feel. And take a moment to just step into that place of connection. And I just want to send uh, extra blessing out to those who are in a caregiving role, whether you're a nurse or a child, a parent, wherever you are in that journey, there's a place that you can come and uh, connect with us. And uh, we'll do whatever we can to encourage and bring uh, healing into your life as you carry somebody else. So that's, that's what I would love to share with your listeners. Thank you so much, Lisa. You, you are a beautiful soul and you give so much and you are a blessing to many. So thanks for being on the show and have a beautiful and blessed day. Thanks for having me. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you. So think about everything that Lisa talked about today because it is important as a caregiver to remember to take care of yourself, to know that that journey, even though it it can be difficult and and arduous and and sometimes doubting yourself and at times – it's so worthwhile. I remember at the my the end, I was exhausted when my mother died. But but I I remember saying to people when I when I talked that that was the most beautiful blessing that I had that opportunity to be with her during her last years of her life, and to know that that in some way I was able to help her. And, and make a difference for her. And I think that's so very important when we recognize as caregivers, whatever whatever way we're caregiving for people, that we are making a difference for others and it's important. But you need to make sure that you make a difference for yourself and take care of yourself, as Lisa said. Have a beautiful day. Take some charge of your life today and yourself, a little bit of empowering yourself even if it's just taking a few 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 small steps into feeling good into doing something for yourself that helps you move forward and also gives you the strength and the support that you need to be able to do what you're here to do as well as helping others if you want to get a hold of me I'll give you the short version go to docwhite.org and take care of yourself Know that we're all here in some way, I believe, to make a difference. And thank you so much for joining us. Have a beautiful, blessed day. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the Upbeat Show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.